Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello and welcome to our podcast. It's the Tour Report from Secret Golf and I'm Diane Knox. I hope you're having a lovely week so far. So we're going from one very tough track to another. Last week it was the Valspar Championship at the Copperhead Course in Innisbrook, the home of the Snake Pit, um, which is known for being one of the toughest three-hole stretches on the tour. I think it's the third toughest and this week we're going to see the second toughest at Quail. Um, Sam Burns winning last week, which was great to see. I love seeing debut wins on the PGA Tour and his family were all there and they all ran on for an interview afterwards and it was just very nice to see. We will recap the Valspar just at the start of our podcast in a couple of minutes. Now, um, I talk about the tough stretch. It's the Green Mile 16, 17 and 18 that we have to look forward to this week at the Wells Fargo. This whole course is tough. I mean, we saw it in 2017 for the PGA Championship, which was won by Justin Thomas. Rory McIlroy has won twice here before. It was the home of his first PGA Tour win in 2010. And then he won this tournament again in 2015. Jason Day is a past champion champion. Max Homa is defending champion from 2019 because we had no tournament last year due to COVID. And then Quail is going to host the President's Cup next year. So it's a course of big stature. And along with that comes tough conditions. Great field this week, very strong. And well, we're going to go into it on the tour report, but guys that are strong with the driver, the big clubs off the tee, they're uh, they're the ones that are probably going to do better this week. Anyway, we're going to dive into that soon. I'll be joined by Steve Elkington. We're going to break down the course. We're going to give you our kind of stat roadmap. And then from that, we will re-rank the entire field to help you with your picks. You know, I say the big hitters, but 
there's uh, where's the fun in that so we have to give you some great value picks and we have loads of them this week when we really shuffle things around there were some guys that really made big jumps up our re-ranking so we're gonna go all into that anyway and i hope you enjoy our show this week for the wells fargo well, first of all, we have to look back on another debut victory on the PGA Tour. This time it was for Sam Burns at the Valspar Championship. It was indeed, Diane. It wasn't too long ago that Sam Burns had a four-shot lead with eight holes to go at Riviera. Max Honma was lucky enough to beat Tony Finau in a playoff. And we thought... Young Sam Burns, he plays so well. He's such a young star coming up on the tour. When will be the next chance he gets? And what I like watching about this kid, Diane, he's not afraid to get out in the lead and sort of stumble. But there he was Saturday, out ahead, finished up tied in the lead with uh, Keegan Bradley. And then yesterday, just poured on the gas, got his first victory. And I, I would, if he was on this show with us today, I would ask him, what did you learn from your defeats previously that changed the day for you? I read something that Sam Burns has said that he tries to learn something new every day. So he's working on something every day. He's trying to make something even better. We've talked about him so much on the show. I think, you know, the very first event of the season, the Safeway Open in Napa, Sam Burns was firmly in contention. And um, there was, I think he was 54 hole leader and then didn't play as well on the Sunday. But it, as you say, we saw the same at Riviera. There's been a little bit of a pattern emerging and you can tell that he's learned a lot because when it came to yesterday, especially to have such a veteran like Keegan Bradley on his tails and Max Homa, as you mentioned, Victor Hovland was in the mix, but Sam Byrne just seemed very composed and extremely solid from tee to green. Yeah, and he's had five leads over 36 holes. And what I like about a young almost a rookie, is he can get out in the lead. I mean, imagine what it takes for a rookie like a Will Zalatoris, who's another young guy that we're going to probably be talking about on this show. They get out in the lead. They've got, they beat every player or they're beating every player through two rounds on the PGA Tour. Sam Burns has, has been in that position a number of times. Of course, we can break it down and tell you his swing is pretty much uh, very stable. He's a long hitter good putter, very aggressive. Of course, I've known a lot about Sam Burns. He comes from right down here in Louisiana. We've known about him since he was about 13 or 14 years old. So we know a lot about Sam Burns. Just been waiting for him to put it all together. And I must say, Diane, I saw you at on social media in front of that snake. How could you do that and post it? It was terrifying, Diane. You were at the snake pit. Well, the snake pit was terrifying for a lot of people. Um, it's a very treacherous three-hole stretch. But yeah, I went down on Sunday and had a little day following my brother around with my boyfriend and my mum and dad. And um, it was a long drive for us to go down for one day, but it was good. And there was a, a nice little turnaround in Russell's game, which was definitely the sweetener to watch. But um, I love that course. I think it's a great tournament. And 
There was something like 101 holeouts over the course of the four days, breaking a new record on the PGA Tour for the number of holeouts. I saw two yesterday from Ian Poulter, who Russell was playing with, which was just awesome. He uh, he definitely knows how to get the crowd all fired up. But, you know, you talk about Sam Burns and the driver, and he is such a long hitter, but it was his second shot, his, his iron play, and those approach shots, we knew the scrambling was going to be an important stat. He just shone out to me, and it was absolutely no surprise that he went on to become the winner. Well, it always is, Diane. It always is when we talk about handicapping. What does it take? Is it just long driving? Never. It's always about precision in the end that you're more precise than the other players. Very rarely do we see on the tour where we we get a, a winner that wasn't playing superb golf with his irons. We talked about it in our show last week for Innisbrook. We said up and down game will be the most important because everybody's going to miss the greens, but the guy who hits the ball the best with his irons will be the one to beat. And we've seen that footprint. We've seen it with Paul Casey and a number of players that play very similar style golf to the way Sam Burns did. To me, we didn't pick Sam Burns to win last week. We didn't even have him in our top 10, but Diane, he did exactly the format that we said it took to win. So there's something... Exactly. Um, and yesterday, the well, on Sunday, the pin positions, the greens were so firm and some of those pin positions were so tight to the edge of those greens as well. I mean, it was difficult. We actually like it. Most of us liked it when the greens got firm and it was very difficult because you saw what Victor Hovland did, shot a six under and zoomed up the board. And if you do have a day, Diane, where you can, the greens are very tricky and you get off and get a good round in, you can go flying up that board and make a ton of cash. And it knocks everybody else off kilter. As you said, your brother thought maybe it's a little uh, unfair in places, but the guys that have the most control made it look easy and Sam Burt's made it look easy in the end. This week we're off to Quail Hollow in Charlotte, North Carolina for the Wells Fargo Championship. I'm Diane Knox and joined by Steve Elkington. Elk, when I think of Quail Hollow, I think of being at the 2017 PGA Championship that was won by Justin Thomas in the end. But that is, without doubt, the hottest I've ever been in my whole entire life walking around a golf course like they had massive fans out on the course trying to blow cold air and mist people because man it was so hot but what a tricky golf course welcome to the south diane in the summer when i think of quail hollow golf club uh diane i think of the biggest hardest golf course that they may play all year And when they redesigned this course for the PGA in 2017, which Justin Thomas won, they made it even longer and harder and bigger and all that. And if I was getting ready to play this week, I've been working on uh, some of my drawings already, and I'm looking at the yardage on some of these holes, Diane. There's about five par five, five par fours that are over 500 yards. I would be thinking about how can I hit my driver straight and long this week, and I'm thinking about all that as we work into our handicapping for the field this week. 
Well, we've gone from the treacherous snake pit at the Valspar Championship round the Copperhead course to the Green Mile, the closing stretch at Quail Hollow. Now, when you look at the three toughest courses that they play on tour and you look at these kind of like iconic closing stretch holes, at number three was the snake pit last week. At number two is the Green Mile. The toughest one is around Muirfield Village, uh, Jack's Place for Memorial. They don't even have a name for that, actually. Actually, they need to get a name for 16. You did it. You said it. Jack's Place. Jack's Place, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, the Green Mile, notoriously terrifying. And uh, well, I mean, anything can really happen on the final three holes. Well, of course, we've seen some things happen, as you just said. We saw once David Toms won this tournament. He came to the last hole with a six-shot lead. And by the time he got finished in the water and crisscrossed the creek about five times, he made a quadruple eight on the last hole. Could you imagine the stress he felt? But he still won the tournament by two. I'm going to break that down when I do my special drawings that I don't think they're very good, but people like them. And it kind of shows what the players are trying to do on each hole and what the architect is trying to trick the players. So 18 is a very hard hole. 17 you have no option but to hit this 230-yard long iron across the water to a green that's sort of sloping towards the water. Very tricky hole. And it's called 16, 500-yard par four, water wrapped around the left side of the green. So, yes, this tournament is not over ever until you get through the last three. And we had a little bit of that last week, of course, with the snake pit too. But you talk about your drawings. Um, I am the biggest fan of them and have been since long before we were putting them on social media. I was like, we need to do this every week because you really incorporate the strategy and let people know what the players are thinking. But when I was at the Valspar on Sunday, I had two people on two separate occasions come up to me and they obviously recognized me from the show or from social media and they told me how much they love your drawings see i'm still with you even <laughs> when i'm not with you now i think when we would sit diane either in the back of our car like on the tailgate and talking to the caddies or amongst players we would say how are you going to play this hole right here and you would draw it with a pencil and say i think i'm going to try to hit it over here because if i get over here i've got this angle so basically if you haven't seen my drawings i try to re i recreate each hole and i try to sort of tell people of how the tour players are trying to do this from an angles way. I love them. They look great. Right, so this tournament was not played last year because of COVID, but the defending champion is Max Homa, who got his debut win here in 2019. He won by three shots. And Jason Day has been a champion here. Uh, Rory McIlroy's won. We talk about the 2017 PGA Championship. That was won by Justin Thomas. We have a lot of big names in the field this week as well. And as you said, driver is going to be key. So the power hitters are going to be out to play. Yes, they scheduled a little bit of rain the next three days, which will soften this golf course. We have superb weather coming for the actual Thursday through Sunday. So the course will play a little longer. But Diane, you know, when I think of Quail Hollow, yes, Max Homer, who won here, he also won at Riviera. I won at Riviera, so I know he's, you know, I when I think of Max's game, I don't think of him in my head like a Rory McIlroy or a Justin Thomas or a Jason Day. I don't think of the pure raw power. Mm -hmm. uh, I think of him as straight. Um, you better be two things this week. You either better be super straight or you better be long. 
Of course, Bryson DeGembeau will come up in our report. He's back this week. He doesn't normally play well after he's been in the garage lifting weights for three weeks, but we're going to break that down as well. And everyone else that we think is going to do well this week. So, Elk, we were talking in the first section that we do have a lot of big names playing this week and a lot of the big hitters on tour, but there is a lot of strategy required to play well around here. Yes, with a, they've changed a few holes over the years. Number one now is a massive long par four, 520 yards or so. When I think about Quail Hollow, and I, if I was thinking about getting ready for this event, Diane, how do I score on this course? And honestly, one, two, three, four, five, six, I would take a par on any one of those holes every day. Seven is a reachable par five. So seven and eight and 10, a par five, squished in between is a massively difficult par four, number nine. But seven, eight and 10 are very scorable. Two par fives they can reach into, one almost drivable par four. That is an opportunity to make a score right there. Then you wind around the course, 11, 12, 13, 14 are difficult. And then you catch, excuse me, 14 is a short par four and then 15s on into par five so when you start to think about putting the score together the beginning of the golf course is very difficult and as you've already talked about the green mile the last three is super difficult so get your score seven eight nine ten fourteen fifteen that's where the opportunities are for sure there every day and we know with the green mile uh, 18 well 16 17 and 18 you know they're really anything can happen and they're dangerous holes but 2019 when max homa won it was a good year for secret golf's jason duffner as well but i remember i was there and he was right in the mix at the end of saturday but was two over on sunday and really gave up shots on the 18th because there's that tiny little bit of water that runs over to the left near the green and that's where the ball went. So it's that that closing hole really is one of the most exciting to watch on the PGA Tour. Yes, it's a it's a it's a long par four that goes sort of up a hill and beautifully set into the hill, so the grands and all the crowd can watch. But you've got to avoid a lake on the left the whole way off the tee, and then your second shot, a little beautiful little stream wraps around the green. So, of course. It wants you to stay away from that, and that's trouble too. There's trees over there, and there's bunkers, and we've seen players in that. So nothing, nothing's finished until you get through number 18 at Quell. No. Okay, so let's look at the top stats that we're really looking at to handicap the field this week. We've said already that ball striking is going to be premium. You're going to hear that a lot. So we are ranking ball striking high, but also elk, greens and reg, and proximity to the hole. Yeah, when you, play, when you play a very difficult golf course, Diane, and you're not driving it good, you literally you're done on this course. So I'm looking for guys that drive it straight, in play. Long would be even better. I mean, we're going to talk about Justin Thomas and Bryson DeGembeau and Jason Day, these guys that have a huge advantage over players like your brother or Pat Perez or Jason Duffner. They have to do it a different way, but the long hitters do have an advantage. But over the course of the week, when you play a golf course, it's this demanding the guys that strike the ball into the greens and lag putt and can chip a little bit. They go to the top very quickly. And the tournament winners of this tournament have proven that when you start to think about Rory and Jason Day and JT and Homer, they 
put together a superb ball striking week. Yeah, we're also looking at scrambling and putting average and we're looking at past performance around this course and momentum that these guys have going right now. Before last week finished, I my name for this week was Sam Burns, but after he won at the Valspar, he's not playing this week. But a packed field. So we're going to run through our re-ranked top 10 and the guy at number one is the... I mean, I think he's the the clear favourite. He's the 2017 PGA champion around this course. However, and let's look at the big question mark from last week at Innisbrook with Justin Thomas. He was the worst in the entire field when it came to putting last week, which is unlike him. And we were looking at the, I mean, he ended up finishing in a tie for 13th in the end, but the flat stick was just not cooperating for him at all. I wish I could have been last in putting and finished 13th also on tour, Diane. So that tells me a couple of things. He's hitting the ball great, maybe lost his patience. He's going back to a very familiar spot here. When I think of JT's game, he's a super power player, very powerful uh, three-wood game off the tee so he can position himself on a lot of these holes. He just takes these holes, these really giant holes, and makes them Go to, his, go to their knees. He just takes a big bite off of these holes, off of one shot. And look, JT won the PGA here. He's a historian. He's a very experienced player. He knows this golf course and he'll putt better this week. And he's this year's players champion. We saw him, and actually let's talk about this because when he played the 16th, in the final round of the players at TBC Sawgrass, the par five, he hit a shot that immediately got your attention and it I mean that just kind of showed the flair and finesse that he has when it comes you mentioned using his three wood yeah he uh, he's been working on that we saw it it was a sort of a low hook uh, only gets about 10 feet off the ground and he he's been working on that uh, that shot in practice I saw him uh, do it on Instagram and he was going to debut it and he debuted it under the most pressure and he pulled it off and he did it again on the 18th hole of the Players' Championship, got a really good bounce and got away with it, but he was the champion. But we'll see if he pulls it out this week. If the fairways are wet, he won't need to. He, it's it's an advantageous when you can get a lot of roll on the low shot. So JT has power to boot, and I just think this course is just so made for him. Rory McIlroy was another who won this tournament, and we may talk about him today. We don't know what's going on with Rory, but <laughs> when you think of this golf course, Diane, his name cannot be left out of the way he plays golf. I saw Justin Thomas hit driver off the deck at the Valspar as well early in the week, <laughs> so he's not scared of those big clubs. And we know that he's a perfectionist. We know he's such a competitor. He would have been so frustrated with his performance on the greens. So guaranteed, him and his dad are going to be working on that back at a course that obviously very fond memories at. So Justin Thomas is our number one this week. Coming in at number two, well, the guy who was six under and clubhouse leader at the Valspar had an incredible day on Sunday, Victor Hovland. Yeah, Hovland's been on our list or thereabouts almost every week. This young man has, uh, well, when he first came on tour with Matthew Wolf, he was kind of subservient to Matthew Wolf. We weren't sure. He's the US amateur champion. He won it at Pebble Beach. And look, here we are a year into it. 
And now Hovland has started his game, has matured Diane. He was a very poor chipper when he first came out on tour, which made him play safe on certain holes. If he did miss screens, he wasn't able to get it up and down. Hovland's fixed his game all over the place, drives a good long hitter. No, Diane, I am so big on Hovland. Six under yesterday, as you said, noted at the top of the show, it was unfair. It wasn't unfair for Hovland. Six under at the snake pit just did exactly that, shot him up the board, and he'll be he'll be confident and he'll play well this week. I heard his post-round interview yesterday and they asked him, you know, what he was so happy about with his game right now and he had said a short game and his chipping. So, I mean, these guys aren't dumb. They know better than anyone the areas that they fall short in and, and then they put in the work. And for Hovland, it's really, really paid off. You know, obviously we see such great finishes from him. He's maybe been in a slight dip, but I think after that performance at Innisbrook, he's right back up to where he should be. And we have him at number two this week, 20 to one as well. And JT, who we talked about, number one is 10 to one. One of the things I want to say, Diane, when when you start to talk about Hovland and he's chipping and back in my day, one of the one of the things that you the advantage you have is being on tour as opposed to not being on tour, is you can walk down the driving range and literally find the best chipper actually chipping and watch them. Okay. And with TrackMan, they have the computer set up behind almost every player. You could actually steal the angle of descent, the angle that that really good player is chipping the ball from. And you could go back to your TrackMan and you could copy that and find that angle of descent and almost steal a great chipping action. A lot of people don't realize that when you're on tour, the reason you get better so quick is you can go down and find each part of the game that you're missing and see the best in the world is right in front of you. You just got to get it. But I hear people say that all the time, that after they've physically been to a PGA Tour event or they've stood on the range and watched these guys, then when they go out and play, they play better right away because they've been watching so closely, as you say, the best players in the world. So they do it too. That's good to know. But if you're a pro player and you can get that info, Mm -hmm. go steal it. Go steal it. (laughs) Okay. Coming in at number three and... This one is a little bit on you because you really bumped him up. You said a bold statement in our pre-production call. I wonder if you're going to say it again. But at number three, Tony Finau. You know I'm not scared to say anything, Diane. In fact, you encourage me to say anything. I think Tony Finau is going to win this tournament this week. I think this is going to be the week. And the reason I'm saying that is he had a great week a couple of weeks ago with Cameron Champ almost won the tournament that the Aussies won, Leishman and Smith down in New Orleans. Um, You know, Finau is a long hitter. This is a giant golf course. The field is not completely stacked from top to bottom, but I just think that Finau has had enough disappointments at LA and at New Orleans to just go out there this week with his giant tee shot. I think this golf course is going to be tough. He won't have to putt as good as he may think he does, and I think he's going to win this tournament. How's that for ball? Ah, wow. I mean, cool. I'm glad that you said that. I'm just looking at his uh, finish, well, I say last year, but he finished in a tie for 60th last time he played Quail Hollow. I know that it was two years ago, and that he's uh, he's had a lot of close calls <laughs> he's had one hand on that trophy so many times since then 
but we'll see. You're more confident about this than I am, but that's well, fine. I'm always happy to be proven wrong. Well, I think my gut tells me a lot, Diane. I've talked about Dustin Johnson not being on the verge of doing anything. He's not playing this week. I told you last week he wouldn't wouldn't play well. There's something going on with him. I saw he changed his putter. Finn out is sort of, if you look at Finn out, not as a guy that keeps losing, but he's building on something very big here. I think this course just suits him. Okay. It's a big course and it's going to take a big time game to play this week. All right. Well, when we talk about big time games, they don't come much bigger than John Ram, and we have him at number four. I'm looking forward to seeing him back in action this week. Ram's the highest ranked player on our board for hitting the ball from tee to green and onto the greens. Ram has been frustrated, it seems to me, at times this year with his putting, Diane, and he's had a baby, and that's fine. That's great. Those are, those are good to have. <laughs> uh, I have two myself still. And I think Ram, if he can just sort of stay play within himself and not get too too much fire under there. We need a little bit to keep going, but Ram certainly has to be the favorite, one of the top favorites this week. He's a, he's a long hitter. He knows this golf course. He's been around these guys that play it. I mean, blah, blah, blah. He's great. And I think this suits him, no doubt. Um, I just think about the final round of the PGA Championship where he carded a seven over and ended up finishing way down the bottom of the leaderboard, obviously. But it's, as you say, when you look at a course that favours the long hitters, that driver is going to be key, and then everything else that he can put together, there's no way that you can't have him up the top of our rankings this week. No, that's right. He, he's, he's earned the right where he sits on this board. He had a great last round at Augusta, backdoored right into the top three, uh, scoring with a backpack on his back, going home to be with the baby. He'll be, he'll be super relaxed. He'll be feeling strong. Uh, he'll, you'll need a big game this week to play well at Quail. Okay. Oh, someone else with a big game who comes in at number five. This is another one that I don't know. I I don't know if I am 100% confident with him being at number five, but there are many reasons why we could not do this. But Bryson DeChambeau is back in action after hustling away in the lab for a couple of weeks. What is he going to do around Quail? There's an old term in gambling on horses, Diane, you never bet on a horse when he comes out from a rest until his third week. Bryson DeJambeau is almost exactly like the horse scenario. He always comes out of the garage after lifting weights for three weeks, makes tons of mistakes. He's all over the place. We see him three-putt and blow up and all these things. But we can't leave him out, Diane, because he's going to be 40 yards down the fairway further than everyone else on the longest course. So he has made his way into our top five. Bryson's been a little out of sorts since he won at Bay Hill, had a terrible Masters for him. We thought he might control himself, but he couldn't and didn't. But this course is a different style, Diane. He can let the big dog eat here. There's going to be drivers everywhere for Bryson, and he's going to be miles down there. So if there was a week that yeah. breaks the horse deal, then this would be it. Okay. I think that he's actually going to enjoy 
plotting how he's going to attack this course as well. You know, you talk about there being numerous par fours over 500 yards, and I think that he's going to see it as a really fun course to go out there and get quite adventurous on. He can let the big dog eat here. I love that. Okay, so our top five... Not many surprises in Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland, Tony Finau, John Ram, and Bryson DeChambeau. Coming up, we're going to go through the rest of our top 10. And we have three great sizzlers, some really good odds that we're going to give you this week for the Wells Fargo. Get in the game on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app and play four ball. It's a classic stroke play competition based on the aggregate scores of four players. Who makes your team? Well, pick four guys, one from each tier based on the current World Golf Rankings. Want a tip? You need four guys to make the cut. Get in the game on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app, available on iOS in the App Store. This week on the PGA Tour, well, we're counting down to the PGA Championship. Only two more events to go until we get the second major of the year. But this week it's off to Charlotte in North Carolina for the Wells Fargo Championship. Hi, I'm Diane Knox and Steve Elkington is here. Your beautiful drawings are going to be on all of our social media and our YouTube this week, giving us some strategy for the beast that is Quail Hollow. Very difficult course. I honestly can sit here and say uh, I don't miss playing this course now that they've stretched to 7,600 yard par 71, Diane. The only breather on this golf course is they have three par fives that I think every person in the field can reach in two. So there is some scoring opportunities. It does give you a little crack of light at occasions, but yes, there's a a handful of par fours that are over 500 yards, Diane. Very difficult golf course. Okay. Um, and, of course, the Green Mile, which is one of the toughest three-hole stretches on the tour. And uh, that's 16, 17, and 18. So we're going through our re-ranked top 10. Justin Thomas at number one, hoping that he sorts out whatever problems he was having with the putter last week. Then Victor Hovland, Tony Finau, John Ram, and Bryson DeChambeau. Coming in at number six is someone who lives at the golf course. He has a very short cart ride from his front door to the first tee. Um, during the whole, well, this tournament didn't happen last year because of COVID, but he was out there. This was his home course that he gets to practice on daily. And well, Webb Simpson, I'm sure this would be a very sweet trophy for him to take home. There has to be, you have to handicap a guy that plays the course all the time. Now, the, the five that you just mentioned, they're all power players that are above him. Webb Simpson has to do it a different way. And how do, we, how do you measure what handicap would he have if, if, if we had to give him one? Is he a one shot better than everyone else on this course? Probably. Maybe two over some guys just because he knows the back of the 14th green breaks a little bit more or the, the front of the fifth is a little bit slower putt. There's an advantages to being the home course guy. And, of course, Webb Simpson is one of the best players anyway. Mm -hmm. His set of clubs, however, will be a different makeup as we go into the bag and he has those hybrids. Webb will be back further, and he, but he can put the height on some of these clubs. So he knows all that, of course, and that is why he's coming in at number six this week. 
Is it kind of weird for guys sometimes when a course that they practice on and they play in day in, day out when they're home, when they have the tournament and there's almost that kind of expectation that it's going to be so familiar to them. I think about Ryan Palmer at Colonial just after the return to golf and we caught up with him and that's his home club and he played terribly and missed the cut by a mile. But, you know, is there a little bit of expectation and pressure that these guys should play well on their home courses? I think there's pressure. Uh, well, I felt pressure when I played at home, but there was no pressure once you got onto the course because you know the course so well. I mean, I don't even, I don't even have a yardage book for my course at Champions Guy, and I know that I know what club it is from almost anywhere on the golf course, and he will too. So I always ask Sam or to for Santa to bring me one of those little shooters that tell you how far it is, but I never get one because Sam says I don't need one. He says I, I already know what what club it is every hole. <laughs> Okay, well, and Webb is number one on the whole tour for scrambling right now, 11th for greens and regulation, 14th in ball striking. His stats are amazing and, um, you know, he's coming off some good form as well. So Webb Simpson at number six. At number seven, Corey Connors. We talk about him every week and we have great reason to because his form right now is brilliant. He's one of the best strikers on the PGA Tour. He falls in another category with Sam Burns, Corey Connors. They're young. They're, we know their names now. And Corey Connors has won, of course, once at uh, uh, Valero last year, or was it two years ago before COVID? But, and you know how big I am. I met Corey Connors at the Floridian two weeks ago, and I'm picking him a lot. He, he deserves to be where he is here, of course, at number seven. But this guy has the game from tee to green, drives it almost perfect every hole, great iron player. More, most importantly, has the rhythm that I like in a swing, very repeatable, very much on balance, on time delivery every time. We saw him play very well at Augusta, and I like everything about this guy. Totally. It's 30 to 1, uh, fourth in ball striking on tour, eighth for greens and reg, and 13th proximity to the hole. That little combo is lovely, especially around here. It would be really good for him actually to get this win that's definitely been brewing again for a while for his second victory. And, you know, what an amazing course to do it on with it being such a beast. So, Cody at seven. And then at number eight is the defending champion, even though he won two years ago, Max Homa. Um, another great showing for Max at the Valspar at the weekend too. Yeah, Homer wrote uh, on social media that he just is a better golfer than he was a couple of years ago. And he won this tournament, of course, and he won it slightly different. I mean, Max hits the ball far when he, but most everyone does when they're hitting it solid and they're playing good. He hit the ball a mile when he was playing at Riviera this year, but he's just better. He's more mature. He does everything a little better and he's not, a, not afraid of the moment. He talks about that a lot. He's very honest, and he didn't have a great Sunday. So going back to a course he just won at will be very familiar for him. He'll have something to say before it's over with this week because he's in form. And he ended up finishing sixth, even with that, you know, crappy Sunday uh, in Innisbrook. His numbers are, it's kind of weird to look at his numbers right now because they're not great. I mean, he's 109th in ball striking, 148th for greens in regulation. The standout stat, though, is he's fourth in putting average on the tour, which is no surprise because when he gets hot on the greens, that's when you see him make such big jumps up leaderboards. 
Yeah, and you can't always look into stats, Diane. We, we take 30% of, it, of stats, 30% of current form, and 30% of how they play on this golf course. But if you have terrible stats and all of a sudden you start playing well, it may take a year of, you, of playing good to flip those stats back into where they are. So as handicappers as we are, we have to get the nuance and find out where they are right now with their game and what are they going to do today with what they got. And Max Homer is as hot as anyone today. So this doesn't mean anything to me. So dramatic. And when he won in 2019, he won by three strokes. Um, and we've talked so many times now about the final three holes being so tough. He he figured out how to play Quail Hollow that year. And hopefully he's going to do it again this year. At number nine, Xander Shoffley. I have this heavy heart now when I think of Xander after the Masters and how um, he hit the ball in the water on 16. Was it on 16? 15, it was all like back to a bit of a level playing field with Matsuyama, closing in on him and then it all fell apart. Didn't play great at the match play with Patrick Cantley who's had a bit of a dip in form as well. So this is going to be, hopefully, a revitalised Xander back in action. Yes, and we saw Xander have complete control of uh, waste management event in Phoenix this year and hit a couple of loose shots on the back nine, hooked the ball in the water at 17, hooked the ball, I think, at 15, hooked the ball at Augusta. And there's two ways to think about Xander. He desperately wants to get back in the winner's circle after not being there. It's hard for me to even say that he hasn't won in like three years on the tour. And where is he mentally? Is he is he scarred or fatigued from what he did at Augusta or is he fresh and ready to fix all that? And I think this kid's mature enough. There's a lot of other guys now that are putting pressure underneath him. Other good players, Honma, Corey Connors, Sam Burns, here they come, Will Zalatoris, all this new group of players, if you will, and you feel that. He's been sitting on a little pedestal by himself with uh, Colin Morikara for about a year now being the touted players. It's time for him to move on with his game, and I think he's up for it. Okay, I hope so. And he's a Cali guy, he went to San Diego State, he lives there. Um, hopefully he can just, he seems like he's very, you know, easygoing and can kind of brush it off a bit so hopefully Xander's back and when it comes to ball strikers and big hitters on the tour he really is up there so Quail Hollow could be a good match for him um, right we have Xander at number nine 18 to one and then coming in at number 10 is a guy who finished solo fifth at the Valspar and it's still shocking to me that he is not in the winner's circle Abraham Answer put together a really good scorecard um, minus two on Sunday around the Copperhead course. So he has some good momentum heading into this week. This is another style of player, very straight hitter, very consistent. He's proven almost to everyone that he's one of the best players. He has to confirm that with a win. This would be a good one right here, like Honma did. Uh, so... Abraham Answer is on everybody's sort of radar as being a guy that can hit the ball excellent. This course suits him for that. A lot of people say, Diane, you know, it's very hard to win and that's why he has it. No, 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 no. You can do it. You've just got to do it. Burns just did it. So it's time to step a bit more into the fire, if you will, 
and maybe take a few more risks than he has been. I don't know. I can't tell you, but I know myself that sometimes you have to play like your hair's on fire. No, no laying up and go for everything. Sometimes, Diane, if I was playing well and I had a lot of experience late in my career, I would shoot at every single pin to see if I could just get myself into contentions. Maybe that's something that a guy like Answer has to do. Because his greens and reg is always his key stat. And he's 17th on the PGA Tour for greens and reg. But I'm just looking at his year so far. He's the three top 10 finishes in the 17 events that he's played. I mean, he's made uh, over 2 million already this year. 16 top 10 finishes in his career. So he can do it. He can. He's there or thereabouts a lot. And um, yeah, ball striking. He is one of the greatest ball strikers to watch. So hopefully... Abraham answer, Wales Fargo Championship's got a nice ring to it. Certainly does. And, you know, a Mexican player, uh, we've got some exciting, him and Ortiz, uh, those two young guys, they're, they're in that level that I talked, to you about, I talked about just a minute ago about the up-and-coming group of players. Uh, certainly answer is, in my mind, on top of that, he has a great swing action, a little bit of old-school move, the knees dip a little bit, which gives him a long Hitting zone, that's why he hits it so good. That face is there for quite a while, and that's why he hits it so straight. I love everything about Abraham Ansis' game. Now, we've gone through our top 10, and Elk, Rory McIlroy was absent from our top 10. Now, some of the good things about Rory, he has an amazing record around this course. Seven top 10s. It was home of his first PGA Tour victory in 2010. He won this tournament in 2015. He had a top 10 finish last time it was played in 2019. However, when you look at Rory from 2019 around Quail Hollow to the Rory that we've seen at the Players' Championship and in weeks around that, uh, we're just, we don't have enough to put him in the top 10 this week. When I think, when I saw Rory McIlroy win this tournament in 2015, when he burst out with, I think, a 64 the last day, this course was made for Rory McIlroy. However, right now, we don't know, we can't handicap Rory because we don't know anything about his game. We know he's been disarray with his swing. He changed coaches. We're not sure where his head is. We're not sure if he's putting any well, any good. He has been sort of off the radar the last couple of weeks since the Masters where he missed the cut. And we don't know where he is. And we don't know how to evaluate his game. Is he with it? Not with it? So we've left him out of our top 10. We have these inclinations, Diane, like we did last week with uh, Dustin Johnson, who'd spent a bit of time away. And we told you we didn't think he would do well last week. And he didn't. And we have nothing to pick Rory into the top players this week. The other thing about Rory, and this kind of backs it up, is he's 15th in the official world golf ranking right now, which is his worst ranking in over a decade. So it really shows where he's at. Rory's very honest, and we've heard him talk about the fact that he finds it hard to get motivated right now, and he's kind of missing that spark. He's got a new coach. How long does it really take for a change like that to bed in and to see some results? Well, I don't know what he's working on with his coach. I'm assuming that we've seen Rory swing for years where he has a shift to the inside and sometimes he shifts too much. Uh, Pete Cowan and he may be taking some of that shift out and maybe get him a little bit more on-plane, on-plane, backswing to downswing. I don't know that for sure. But look, Rory's 
the most gifted player there is as far as from tee to green game. Mm-hmm. When he puts halfway decent, he's always right there. We just don't know who's going to show up this week, so that's why we don't have him in anywhere in our picks this week, Diane. Yeah, and I think everyone would love to see Rory go out there. As I just mentioned, you know, he's so honest. He's always got the fans on his side. I think people would love to see him go out to a course where he's had such great success and it has sentimental meaning to him, being the home of his first victory, to go out and do well. So we're all rooting for him this week. It would just We need to see that turnaround in his form and in his head. Yeah, I think one will be the other. If he starts hitting it good, uh, I think it could turn it all around. I mean, it's a lot. When you're on tour for a long time, Rory came on tour when he was younger. He's probably, what has he been on tour? Probably 10 or 15 years by now. He's got to decide inside of himself what he's trying to do. You know, yes, he only needs a Masters for a Grand Slam. Is he committed to 25 weeks? Is he committed to 10 weeks? What is it? You know, and once he gets his family going, which he has a young family, he's going to have to go through all these things. Everyone did. Jack Nicholas only played, had five children, only had five, uh, had five children, only played 15 events each year and was able to accumulate what he did, Diane. So it's all about focus, all about being prepared when you get to the tournament and doing what you do when you get there. Okay, well, we're going to talk about another guy who's been going through a little bit of a slump, hoping that he is on the rise, and that's in a few minutes, because we're going into our sizzlers. We've got three guys who really made big jumps up our re-ranking this week, and the first one is Joel Damon. Now, Joel Damon finished runner-up to Homa in 2019. At that point, Joel Damon didn't have his debut win on the PGA Tour, but he got that win just a few weeks ago in Punta Cana. So Joel Damon at 100 to 1, we're putting him as a sizzler this week. Well, I like I like Damon in this position, Diane. He was always known when he came on tour as sort of being this sort of easygoing kid from the West Coast that was freakishly good swing, freakishly good at hitting the ball up in the air with long irons and just sort of dominating the golf course. But his attitude was kind of easygoing and would he win? Ah, he didn't even know if he was going to win. But I think things have changed for him. And now he realizes he's seen what Honma's doing. He's seen what he did, got his win. Now he goes back to a golf course where he's perfectly suited for it. This is what this is his style of play. Going to take an enormous amount of good shots this week to play this golf course. Yeah. Perfect 100 to 1 pick right here. And here's some insider information, kind of. I'm friends with his wife on Instagram. And before he won in Punta Cana, he went to Vegas and had like fun with the boys, I think for a bit of a blowout weekend. He's just been in Cabo at a wedding and I saw great pictures of him and his wife dancing and <laughs> they were at the beach and they were having cocktails. So maybe he just had that little bit of time to well celebrate the win, to decompress, to be with all of his friends. And now he's back to business at a course that he's played well at before. Yeah, a runner-up finish for him on this course it proves to him in his mind that he can play it. And that's going to be the question to a lot of guys when they're playing the practice rounds this week. They're going to look at it and go, I've got to hit like 12 of the best drives of my life to play this course. Enormous par fives. And, and Damon should be able to handle all this pretty easily. So let's see what comes back from Cabo. Let's see if all the good stuff got back on the plane and he didn't leave some of it down there. Yeah, with some tequila. Okay, <laughs> our second sizzler, who, let's be honest, I was like, oh, we can drop him. He doesn't need to be a sizzler. <laughs> Only because, um, oh, it's... No, Inside I, info. 
I get a hard time if I pick him. I get a hard time if I don't. But we are putting Russell Knox, my brother, as a sizzler this week at 160 to 1. So... Do you want well, to let, you want to let me tell the story because you have a conflict of interest, surely. Uh, Russell Knox is an excellent player. He sort of falls in that mold of players that can play this course, like Webb Simpson, David Toms won this tournament, slightly medium range hitter, high ball striker. But Russell Knox uh, is eighth on the tour in proximity to the hole. So that tells me something. That tells me all these hard courses all around the tour. He still is in the top 10 at hitting the ball next to the pin. And a little bird told me that he's changed his putting style uh, to a new grip and he's having the best results he's had in 10 years. So as handicappers, Diane, I have to take that information that I received and I have to put it to use. And if Russell Knox is in the top 10 in proximity to the hole, and he's fixed his putting, then it is my obligation as a handicapper to present him as a sizzler this week. How do I do? Yeah, no, that was very, very good. Um, The thing with his putting, it's funny because we saw him on TV on Thursday and it was my boyfriend, Garrett, who's getting into golf and he came through and he was like, Russell's changed his putting grip. And I said, let me have a look. And he's just doing left-hand low now. So... After he made the cut on Friday, because he hasn't made a cut since the players, it's been a bit of a stressful time, and he's been missing the cut by, like, one shot. Three times by one shot. So that's frustrating. He's been very, very frustrated. And I asked him about it after he made the cut, and he was like, yeah, I'm doing left-hand low, I've been putting so well. And he said that he is... He feels so good about it that he thinks it's going to be his biggest regret that he didn't do this 10 years ago. Yep, I mean, desperate times be desperate measures, Diane, and we all do it on tour. I mean, I never went to left-hand low because it felt so uncomfortable. I didn't like to line my ball up with a line because when I put it down perfect and I got over it, it didn't look perfect. So I had to go. So, you know, you never know what you should do, but you're always tinkering, always trying to get a little bit better on tour. I thought after being there at the Valspar watching him on Sunday, I think that he looks way more stable over the ball on the greens now. Like that, I think he just looks tucked in and like solid. So that was my family, family intuition. There it is. <laughs> anyway, from a, from, a, from, a, from a cellular level right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always happy when we can talk about him. So Russell is a sizzler this week. And then our third one, we talked about Rory's dip in form. Um, this guy has had a real dip in form and it's been surprising because it has lasted for a very long time now. But Ricky Fowler, why do we think that this could be a turnaround week for Fowler? Well, I'm personally taking responsibility of putting Ricky Fowler in the sizzler position this week because I'll tell you why. He was given a a, a sponsor exemption into the PGA Championship in two weeks from now down at Kiowa Island. He's been runner-up in this tournament, I think, twice. Mm -hmm. So what's in Rory's head? You know he's going to be prepared for the PGA. He's going to be under a fair amount of scrutiny there. He's played super here. You gotta figure, Diane, that he's gotta straighten things out and go to a place that's familiar. And I just think the odds are so big on him this week for Ricky Fowler that I, I, I'm with it. I'm going. I'm jumping on this bus right now. He didn't play the Masters. 
because he didn't get into the Masters, the first major that he hadn't been in for, what was it, 10 years or something? It was like a crazy stat. And then, as you say, he got the exemption into the PGA Championship. I heard Phil Mickelson talking about the fact that if he was offered an exemption into the US Open at Tory Pines this year, he wasn't going to take it, even though it's Tory Pines, he's a San Diego guy. How, maybe embarrassed is the wrong word, but it has to feel kind of weird for Ricky Fowler to be in a major on, a, on an exemption. Well, Diane, I got to be honest with you. Every single tour player, Jack Nichols included, career goes all the way to the top and then it flattens and then it starts to go back down again. And you eventually don't get in events and all, you know, it, it, it happens, okay? There's only room. I called it, I invented this term, Diane, called the penguin theory. And the penguin theory is there's a rock in the middle of the ocean and there's only room for 125 penguins that stand on this rock. And all the rest of the tour players are swimming around in the water. If one falls off, there's 500 that want to jump up onto that 125 ledge. And that's what the tour is. And Ricky is a very good player. He should be in the middle of the rock. Is a little peak of the rock where all the, all the big penguins stand up here. And that's where he belongs. But right now he is out on the edge, Diane, and he has got to gather himself and everybody's trying to help him. The industry is trying to help him, but he's going to have to do it all himself. But this golf course should bring some out in Rick. He's got to have fixed his swing by now. He's got to have fixed his putting. Surely exemptions are coming. And it, Favorite course. Yeah, and it's buddies as well. If you think about Justin Thomas winning at the players and then Jordan Spieth won at the Valero. So that has to give him a bit of a boost. I saw that they were all hanging out together and they had a they were at a hockey match together. So they, that has to give him a real boost. And, you know, those guys, they're so tight. They're probably giving him all the words of encouragement in the world. But he has to see this uh, PGA Championship exemption as like, okay, here's my pass. I have to go out there and really capitalize on this opportunity. Of course, you're right. Exactly. And this course here is a hard golf course. He will be working on his golf swing and he will come into this, this event in the next month. Very, very focused. I'm the reason I'm so big on this, Diane, is I know that there's swing action, there's form and there's focus. We know Ricky's focused because we know what's coming up. He's on a course he likes, and we've got two weeks away from an exemption. So, yes, I'm planting on him playing well this week. Well, here we are, final part of the show, and it's our Dark Horse Picks for the Wales Fargo Championship. Elk, you're helping me because, well, we haven't heard back from Jay. He was definitely going on vacation at some point. so I'm I hope he's in Hawaii. I hope he's there. Me too, me too. Send us a postcard, Jay, if you're watching the show. Yeah, I'm just thinking, how well did his Dark Horse picks do last week? Maybe he just won loads of money and he upped and left us. Anyway, right, we're going to give you one each and um, we'll kind of, well, they're higher odds. I think we have a lot of big odds that we're giving you this week, though. But um, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I'll go first, um, if you like. Uh, my Dark Horse pick this week, and I'm taking this on form and I'm taking from a little bit of knowledge that I know I'm picking Harold Varner this week at 80 to 1 Diane just had a top five finish at Hilton Head working on his game with our friend and secret golf contributor Bradley Hughes 
Harold Viner is hitting the ball so straight that you have to lean sideways to, to, to see the flag when he hits his second shots on the fairway, Diane. It's incredible how straight he's hitting it. Just had a top five, 80 to one. I'm all over this this week. Okay, that's cool. I like your pick. We're big on Harold Varner and we knew that he was working with Bradley Hughes because his form took a real dip as well. Um, what was it, the PGA Championship just a couple of years ago? He was in contention on the Sunday and then had a shocker of a day. Um, but he's posted some brilliant finishes We when we knew that he was working with Bradley. Bradley had said to you, like, watch out for HV3 because he's coming back. Yeah, and, you know, Games, you know, rise and fall. We've seen, you know, Dustin Johnson was unbeatable and now he's taken a little dip. And we watch these players rise and fall all across the board, Diane. And Varner's on the way up right now. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy goes on and plays great all the way through the summer. Because once you've been through a stretch of poor play, a couple of years ago, once you start to move back the other way, you have a lot of energy to push and push and push, and you have a lot of stamina and a lot of excitement to be out on tour. Varner's top five finish at Hilton Head, where you have to hit the ball the straightest, was enough for me to pick him this week as my dark horse. And what did you say he was? 80 to 1? 80 to 1, yep. I give Jay a hard time if... Um if it's under 100. He's just texted me saying, I'm on my way to Hawaii. <laughs> Tell him, don't stop. Keep yeah, going. Keep going. Okay, right. Well, we called that. My dark horse pick then is 125 to 1. And there, there's head and heart with this pick, right? The heart for me is I see a lot of similarities between him and Sam Burns. And with Sam Burns just winning the Valspar, maybe that's why this is in my head. But in 2018, he finished runner-up here to Jason Day. He... A, f a top 20 finish in 2019 anyway. He was second at Mayakoba this season. Um, and when you look at his numbers, seventh in greens and regulation, that stat to me really jumped out. So Aaron Wise is going to be my dark horse pick. Aaron Wise is a great pick. He was the national champion at Oregon. I watched him back then and I've watched him come on tour. I've enjoyed watching his success. Tall, thin player, hits the ball great, good swing action, yeah. great putter, uh, just sort of getting his footing on the tour. He's sort of in that same mould as Burns, not quite as powerful as Burns, but almost. And I think Wise, with a second-place finish here, will be feeling very uh, confident, very stable as he comes into this event. Uh, Diane, it's a, great, it's a great dark horse pick, 125. If you wouldn't have got it first, I would have taken that. Right. Okay, then. Um, well, this week, we're going to be playing our games on the SG Tour Golf Gaming app. So you can go on there, create your account, go to the public games. And we have a couple that we're going to be running. Great fun. This is a great week to do. Well, it's always a great week to play along. But in the four ball, you pick four guys, one from each tier based on the official world golf ranking. And with a lot of the big guns going to fall into tier A, it makes it quite interesting which one you're going to choose and then how you pick going down the tiers as well. It always, the, the big separator in the games, Diane, is always the guys in the C and the D category. If you can nail those two, then you're going to be in the money for sure. Yeah, and we've mentioned quite a few of them. Today. Of course, you know that, of course. That's, that's been your little bit of a... Downfall. Downfall. <laughs> 
Anyway. <laughs> right, thank you very much for watching our show. As we said, the PGA Championship is only a couple of weeks away. We have this week in Charlotte and then next week, Elk, back to Texas. And uh, we'll see who's going to make it into the PGA Championship the following week. What am I going to do next week about my drawings, Diane? I haven't played that course. Am I going to have to... What am I going to do? Well, you've got a week to prepare starting now, so... <laughs> <laughs> Start studying. Yeah. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.